Welcome to another episode of Indie Pioneers, a podcast by Cosmetics Design Asia. Today I'm speaking to the people behind Individual Collective, a brand that celebrates diversity with its DIY customized mineral powders. Today we'll be discussing the value of face-to-face interactions, influencer marketing, and find out what they really think about crowdfunding projects. I always found Individual Collective to be a very unusual brand in the sense that it's a indie brand that started primarily offline with a little store and also because you didn't engage influencers to market your brand for you which is pretty much usually the first step for every new beauty brand why is that it's very important to follow our heart when we decide to introduce this brand to the world yeah so to be honest when i was working with all those uh, established mncs i they engaged bloggers at that time it was relatively new but they worked with bloggers and i was also involved with all due respect like uh you know some they are paid to say something to share the experience yeah but when it comes to skincare or makeup things they put on your face it is very uh we we have to be ethical it's our promise to people who uses our products and i don't think that a blogger influencer will be able to convey that kind of sincerity that we have in mind for our brand. Your marketing videos are all your real customers. The yes. models are all your own customers, right? Yes, and it made me very happy when I actually have a very great sense of uh, accomplishment when those customers agreed to be our models for mm. our campaign, our diversity campaign. That means a lot to me. Um, I mean, honestly, I always use my heart when it comes to business and I find that is not measured in terms of your profit margin. It's about the journey itself. And as an indie brand, I think this is very important because you get all your basics, your foundation in place. You have people who truly believe in you. The voice is soft right now because we're not big, big boys, big players in the market. But if we continue work, uh, you know, just doing our best, people will see it. Christabel, as the marketer, what is your perspective on this? I think when we first created the brand, we wanted something that uh, resonates with not only ourselves and also the people that we attract. Um, so having that step forward was to actually get our own customers who embodies the brand itself and using their voice to convey our message as well. Because for us using like influencers, yes, no doubt they'll get the ROI immediately um, in terms of like brand awareness. But after that, it all fades. And then what, what is left of the brand? You engage more with influencers on Instagram now. Am I, am I right? Basically, the people that we actually um, um, approached um, to actually send our DIY kits, they're actually not really influencers, but they're actually doing on the sideline. So these are not full-time influencers? They're not, they're not influencers at all. So oh, they okay. actually do have a job. Yeah, but they actually, um, it's one of their hobbies or like their interests. So, do these people have a following though? Mm, they do. So, like, can you give me a range of like... Maybe 2,000? Yeah, um. yeah. So, it's not like relatively high, like 17 plus K kind of followers. So, all of them actually have a very unique voice in them. You guys are such a wholesome brand. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, we don't really target them, you know, in that sense. Yeah. But they really like the idea. When they actually saw the page, they were like, isn't that like something new? And they didn't understand what it was. And in that sense, it creates like a bit of an interest there. And so for us, it was important for them to understand who we are, what we stand for as well, and whether they want to be on this journey with us. So we're seeing some big changes within Individual Collective recently. You've made the transition to become an online-only brand. And 
what one of the biggest things about not having a store anymore is losing your walk-in customers. So Marilyn, do you miss that? Because I know you love meeting people and listening to their stories, right? Um, yeah, honestly, I do tell Christabel that, oh dear, the, uh, our Japanese community, because they, they fly in just to blend their powder. So occasionally I'll be like, oh dear, oh, what happens to them? I hope they are, they are aware that we have gone digital. Yeah, so definitely I miss them. But, you know, it's very important to embrace uh, opportunities. Um, I think that after we close the retail space, we have more time to be able to execute our strategies by going digital and trying to see how we can, uh, what do you call that? Like, uh, yeah, like be able to tap into different markets mm -hmm. and let them be able to experience this DIY concept. Because at the end of the day, like we, we, we have all established, we are trying to have a voice um, to get people, especially the millennials, to be aware of what is mindful beauty and we can't do that with a restriction of just a retail space. You've managed to cultivate a sort of a Japanese following without much of an online presence. What happened there? Was it just a stroke of luck? Was it? No, that's the thing. It's amazing. <laughs> they really love our product, you know. They will come in. Uh... No, but how did it start? Okay, because you see, what happens was that there was this Japanese editor who saw our shop. You know, we are near, we are located near Haji Lane, right? So I think she walked past and then she saw our shop and you know that our decor, the way we present the powders with the pillars, uh, caught her eye. So she came in and she asked if uh, we could be featured in her book. So basically this book is a travel book travel by guide, countries. Right? Yeah. yeah. So this is actually the Singapore edition and all the Japanese came in with their book saying that we want to blend the powder and we and because we don't speak Japanese, right? So everything is like through motion and like through actions. <laughs> yeah, but it's very heartwarming to see that they really embrace our idea. We don't have to sell the concept to them. They really they, they just love it. And I'm appreciative of their support. Yeah, so there are a bunch of people that will miss a lot. Is it more important nowadays for brand founders to be the face of their brands? Actually, you know, me and Marilyn, we were having this conversation right from the start because Marilyn's a creator, right? So me being the voice, I would always say, Marilyn, you need to, you know, take the reins and like, um, people need to see you. But because Marilyn's a very private person, um, she wasn't very enthusiastic about it. But um, in these changing markets, I think that it's important for people to be able to put a face to the brand as well? I think it's very... I mean, when Christopher encouraged me to do that, I the reason what motivates me was to share my experience, my expertise, because I've invested uh, at least 20 years of my life in this beauty industry. So I thought that it's very important to... Not that I can make a difference, but my experience, my expertise definitely will be able to guide some people along or to let them understand that there's a reason why we do what we do and the product that we create is not just a hit and run product it has a lot of thought process and there's a you know it's it's basically a product a brainchild of my expertise also as part of your digital transformation so to speak you recently started a kickstarter project so how did that go we actually ended the kickstarter so we are successfully 100 percent funded um, and I think our main point for the Kickstarter program was to 
um, reach out internationally for people to, for us it's actually uh, a research as well. Um, how, how receptive are people to this concept? That's one. Secondly is, um, would people actually take the step to understand more about um, what clean beauty is? How do you actually um, mix uh, your own powder? Because usually you will just get um, over-the-counter, you go to Sephora, you just get one powder, and you don't even know what's inside, right? But for this, it's more of an educational kind of step for them as well, uh, for them to take control of how they want to um, use the product. Uh, I would say that when it comes to Kickstarter, this kind of crowdfunding uh, platforms, mostly it's about digital or technology uh, stuff, based yeah. base products. Uh, it's not for the weak-hearted. Okay, let's yeah. put it this way, okay? <laughs> because it's okay. all or nothing, right? Yeah, it's all or nothing. Yeah. So, um, I'm just very thankful that we managed to do it. Uh, but for other local brands or beauty brands, it has to be a very unique, thought-out concept yeah. that has not been done before. Yes. Like, we do see a lot in, like, the design um, sector, like, you know, they coming out with, like, comics, uh, illustration. But for cosmetics, we didn't see anybody there. So, in that sense, we were actually a bit afraid to actually step on the platform initially. But we were like, since this concept is something new, um, no one has done it before, let's try and see how the response would be. So I'm saying that it, it will only really work if you have something that's like really unique. Like yeah, really to unique catch people's attention. You know, you know how long we take uh, to prepare for all the materials to be uploaded on Kickstarter? We took about two months, you know. Yeah, because we wanted to create a page whereby it's very informative and very transparent uh, to all the backers, you know, who who's willing to pledge. So we were very obsessed with the details so if the, the new brand feels that they can commit in terms of the amount of information to share and there is something unique about it why not you you, you have nothing to lose actually but i must tell you there's a lot of sleepless nights okay <laughs> for this yeah because yeah. you see when the when it starts right it's a very common thing for kickstarter initially you will have pledges then after a while, you just go silent. Yeah, the, the, the part whereby you go silent is scary. Yeah, then after that, then you have pleasures again. Yeah, so it's like it takes you on an emotional roller coaster. But you weren't really depending on it for, for, the, for the money, right? Yeah, no. It's, yeah, but then you see, it's very nice. It's a strategy also that if the brand gets uh, the title of successfully being funded on Kickstarter. It validates mm, your idea yeah, and your concept. Correct. See. And it's like, it's international, you see. So it, you are looking at different profiles. Yeah. And uh, is this message strong enough to reach out to different people across the, the world? Uh, I thought about your international audience. So yeah. you're doing something really interesting on your, your Instagram page, right? Mm. Where you have a little Pantone shade yeah. and you... You prove that you can match every single Pantone shade with your powder. Correct. I think as a small brand, you must be able to share with people that um, there is a point of difference, right? So I told Christabel, we only have six shades. But if we could have come up uh, with 100 pa Pantone, um, they call it chips, you see, and we blend the color. First of all, it embraces the diversity that we have in mind. Second, it shows our expertise that this whole notion of custom blend is possible, that we could transform one shade at a time.
what is the one thing you would like to say to your fellow beauty entrepreneurs or aspiring beauty entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think uh, I would love for more of our own local brands uh, to come together and build a community whereby, you know, community is very is is not whereby we copy each other. That's not a community. Community is whereby all of us come together because we believe in a vision and in our own voices we do our part. It's what you why you also stock some local brands in your own shop. Right? Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. So we actually try to build a community. Whenever a customer comes in, we will share a little story about the founder, the makers themselves, so that they know that everything that they have created here is not just a product that you can find anywhere else. There's a lot of heart to the product. So do you think that ever in the future you will want to set up a little store again? Yeah, why not? But I really, you know, I was telling Kristen, I'm very excited. I really want to do a pop-up in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's asking us, when are yeah, you coming? The Japanese you know? themselves. They're welcoming us and we'll be like, yeah, 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 wait for yeah, us. You know, some of them could speak English. English. And they were like, oh, if you come, you tell me, okay? Uh, because she bought our powder. She said, if you come, tell me, I'll help you. Then she'll give us suggestions as to where we should pop up. So, so sweet, right? But I think we need a lot of people if we are in Japan. A lot yeah. of manpower. I think we're going to have atrium, okay? Like atrium <laughs> space. Okay, yeah. so I can imagine how many Japanese <laughs> will be there. No, I think it's very fun because it's like, they genuinely love our product. And I think that it's a service to them. And... So many Japanese encourage us to do so. So we should, right? We have a little fan base. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should come too. Okay? Yeah? Why not? Yeah. All right, Marilyn, Christopher, it's been, a, it's been very wonderful to speak to you again. And thank you so much for joining me. I hope you had a great time. This has been Amanda for CosmeticsDesignAsia.com. Join me again for another episode of Indie Pioneers to learn more about the amazing people behind Asia Pacific's beauty brands.